Welcome to Testing Code, a podcast about software development and software testing. In this episode, I talk with Oliver Bestwalter, one of the main Tox project maintainers. Tox is a simple yet powerful tool used by many Python projects. I originally thought of Tox as a way to run a test suite against multiple versions of Python. Yes, Tox can be used for this, but it's so much more. I learned a lot from talking with Oliver, and I hope you do too. Thank you to PyCharm for sponsoring this episode. Now let's talk with Oliver. I am so excited about the guest today. Um, we've got Oliver Bestwalter, which for a long time I thought his last name was Bestweller, and I apologize, but it's Bestwalter, uh, which is a great name. Uh, Oliver was uh, one of the technical reviewers for the PyTest book, but um, and I uh, I was recommended to ask him because um, I needed somebody to to cover some of the talks part, and he knows both PyTest and talks at least a little bit, and by by that I mean better than me, and so th- so that was I was very grateful for that, and then at one point um, near the end of the making of the book, it was in some sometime in 2017. I was on a business trip to Munich, and I had this crazy idea that I would just contact the Munich Python user group and say, hey, I'm going to be in town. Does anybody want to like get together and talk? And they actually did, and they pulled people together at a, I think it was at a university, and um, had, a, had a bunch of people. And one of those experiences where um, some people are coming to listen to you, but you're not the smartest person in the room. The smartest person in the room was Oliver. And so I'm really glad that he, I think, well, there was a ton of smart people there, but all, I think Ronnie was there. Um, and I, I'm going to get it wrong, but is it Fanschmidt? Is that how you sp- pronounce Ronnie's last name? Um, Ronnie Fanschmidt, yeah. Okay. It's like uh, the, the German word for pan, um, with the fry stuff, I think, okay. somehow. Um, the, the, so that was, that was cool to meet both of them. Ronnie's also a PyTest, uh, developer and, uh, and we, we had a great time, answered a lot of questions and then we took the whole thing. Um, um, and I was glad Oliver was there because some of the tough questions he, he got to answer and he got to correct me on a few things. It was nice. And then we went out and had some, some drinks, uh, with a handful of the people there and it was a great night. So I was glad to be able to meet Oliver in person, and now we have him here on the show. And one of the things we're going to talk about is talks, and also um, uh, just sort of introduction to talks, but also uh, catch up with Oliver to find out what he's doing. So, Oliver, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Hi, Brian. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> you completely floored me now. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> I was definitely not. The, I'm never the smartest person in the room. I always try to be not the smartest person in the room because I want to learn something. Yeah, and I mean, I'm 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 one of your fans. I'm I really like your show. I listen it from. I didn't get it right in the beginning. I think I, I found it like in 2016 when you already had quite a few uh, episodes under your hood. So okay. I could do a little, little bit of binge listening. And I'm catching up since then. So yeah, I'm I'm a fan of your show, and I'm really pleased to to be able to talk a bit about talks and other things. So you um you were I don't know I don't know if I'm getting this right. Where are you? You were uh, one of the core contributors of PyTest and Talks, or how, what is your relationship to those? And I guess 
Um, also, what do you do on a daily basis? Do you work on these or do something else? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Talks. Well, um, I'm basically uh, my life didn't went the straight way. So I was a musician for a long time, and I came for, to programming quite late. I mean, basically, I'm programming my whole life somehow as a hobby. But I used to be a musician, and then I started studying later on. And I'm still at my first job here, my first tech job uh, at Avira in, in Ravensburg in Germany. And, yeah, they were nice enough to give me the chance to go to conferences and go to the PyTest Sprint in 2016. And that's where, you know, the open source involvement started for me. Um, I... I, I I fell in love with open source a long time ago, in the 90s already. I was basically, when I was primarily a, a musician, I was a, kind of a computer scientist groupie because I hung out with a lot of, uh, yeah, they were studying computer science. I was making music and I listened to their stories and, and they tried to explain to me object-oriented programming and whatever, and I was just fascinated. And then when this whole music thing went a bit... Uh, yeah, it, it became clear that it's quite hard to make a living with it. And I had uh, not a very nice um, skateboarding accident uh, and couldn't play music anymore. Then I had to rearrange my life and, yeah, got more into my old hobby, computering. And, yeah, so, so uh, open source was always on my mind. So And then in 2016, I'm distracting myself already. I'm trying to tell you a straight story here. So... <laughs> 2016, I went to that PyTest sprint, and uh, I met Holger Krekel, Ronnie Punchmit, um, Dave Hunt, Raphael. A few of them were on your show already, actually. I think Dave Hunt, he talked about that we dropped a dot together. That's quite a nice memory I have of that PyTest. And one thing he didn't tell you, by the way, is uh, you asked him which editor he's using. He's using Atom. Um, what he didn't tell you is that he's using Atom with active power mode. Do you ever hear about that? No, I don't. What what is it's, that? It's uh, it's a plugin, um, and if you're typing, then your whole editor starts wobbling, and there's like fireworks shooting out of the um, <laughs> letters that you type, and you even have combos now. That's like like a, a high score counting up. The fa the faster you type, <laughs> the more mad it gets. And I was sitting next to him while, while he was typing. I thought, what the hell? <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, have a look at this. It's really good. It's act Activate Power Mode. It's an Atom plugin. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, and that was such a great week I had with them. And I just wanted to, you know, get more involved and help because I started reviewing Tox uh, PRs there then. And Tox was a little bit on the um, inactive side uh, that back then. It's not really a very fascinating project, if you think about it. It's basically build automation, and people want to do more interesting stuff. So there wasn't like a rush of people that wanted to keep maintaining the project. So, um, yeah, basically, I ended up uh, maintaining it, looking at the issues, uh, sorting out uh, stuff answering questions and since then i'm i'm yeah more or less quite active there so you, you still and work on the talks project then yeah okay. the nice thing though is that i'm not on my own anymore i mean i was really, really never on my own it was a little bit in hibernation state in 2016 but it picked up again i think a big difference uh was the the move to github we moved over to github 
Yeah. And then I try to make automate everything to make releases easier and make it more accessible to new contributors. And yeah, now there's quite a, a lively community around it. Um, again, we completely automated our release process. So basically, you just have to tag a release, then a bot opens the PR. Uh, and uh, then you, if you green light that, then we have a new release and everything's automated. So releases are picking up. And the last two releases, I didn't even notice that they came out. So I had to do some reading today, what's actually new, so that I can give you some information, <laughs> what's new. Yeah, so that's basically. And I asked my employer if uh, they can sponsor, basically, my open source involvement, because we are using it. We are dependent on Tox and Pytos and all that. So we could give, give back a little, I thought. So I'm allowed now to use 20% of my work time at Avira um, to spend uh, with open source activities, all kinds of things, mainly talks, but basically 20% is open source of my official work time, which is great. So That's, thank you, Avira. That is wonderful. And and uh, I guess it doesn't hurt to ask, right? Sometimes somebody no. will say yes. Yeah. I think more people should do it, actually. I, I gave a lightning talk on one Europython about it. I wanted to give a lightning talk about Tox, but then I realized this topic is much more important for me at the moment. So I basically talked five minutes about how people that really want to contribute to open source, they should go to their um, bosses and, and see uh, if they if they can get help with that because you know, we have a big maintainer problem. Yeah. Uh, Especially, you know, Tox is part of the Python fabric infrastructure. I, I had a look today. We have like 15,000 projects depending on us on, on GitHub. And we're just a handful of people. And there's not really, there's no money coming in or whatever to support this. This is all just because people care about it. And the whole industry uh, relies on these projects. So it's, this is not a sustainable state of things. So I'm trying to you know, raise awareness there a bit also. You're, you also do, uh, you're also involved with uh, helping to teach um, uh, both PyTest and I assume talks as well and other things. Um, yeah. And so you, uh, you, you told me before we, before we started recording that you're, um, you've taught uh, not just, you've taught both within your company and outside of your company. Is this? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my new hobby. <laughs> I really enjoy that as well. And, and uh, yeah, the nice thing is really then if you go outside your company and, and start teaching in other companies, you see how they do things and you, you learn, uh, you know, what are, are their special problems and all that. So it's really interesting. I really enjoy that. How long have you been doing this? Uh, well, privately, I, I started on some uh, university. There were some students who were interested in uh, in. Uh, Python and I, I was invited to give a talk about Python at Avira and that was really fun and then that, that turned basically into my first course so I, I went there every week then and taught them Python for a mm -hmm. while and one of them actually is now the, and that they were MBAs you know they were studying for business uh, stuff but one of them was really he had so much fun he's now a Python uh, developer <laughs> so and that was my like first uh, big feeling of I can uh, help there. And um, then uh, Mike Muller um, asked me, I think that was spring of last year, uh, if if I would be interested to give some testing courses. And, oh, okay. Yeah, and the first one was at Bloomberg. 
um, last year, where I actually met one of the other core maintainers, uh, Bernard Gabor. He's really active now, and he's basically running Tox now. I could just, you know, vanish from the face of the earth, and nobody would have to be worried about Tox. Well, that's he's, good. he's really very active, and he's got a lot of good ideas. His first um, contribution was one of my favorite ones now, where I first thought, now, who, who needs that? But now I, I'm really grateful it's there. It's a, it's a simple thing. You can add a description to your tox environments, which then will be printed out if you say tox minus AV, if you want to try that one day, for example, of the tox source code, then it tells you all the environments and it gives you a description of what this environment is supposed to do. So it has it's like an instant little developer documentation for how to build and deploy or whatever you do with uh, tox, what those environments do. That is really useful. So that was his first contribution. Um, yeah, so That's I met sweet. him there, and um, yeah, this year I was uh, in Karlsruhe in, in some institute, and they were mainly data scientists, and they had completely different problems. You know, I come from this build automation world. That's basically my day job. I'm doing build and release automation. That's how I started at Avira, and that's that's what we're doing now. Still, seven years later, a bit differently and now we're yeah coordinating things more and providing uh, build tools and things like that but that's basically what i'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis this is why tox is for me an interesting project yeah but they they basically don't really care about that they just want to do their an analysis uh, stuff and they want to run their pandas and numpy and whatever and they come from a diff completely different angle and then to help them with getting their tests uh, off the ground and, and automating things. That was, that was fun also. In the end, they had GitLab. They had an internal GitLab and GitLab is, is really great, I think, uh, in combining the, you know, the source code side of things and the CI side of things. It's all integrated. It's not like with GitHub and Travis, for example, which are different services. In GitLab, it's all one big model. Yeah. And you just switch a, a toggle on and then you have your CI and then we got their GitLab working with Tox and all that. And that was, yeah, it was a great feeling of achievement then. And they had their CI pipeline all set up. And yeah, that's, that's, I really enjoy that kind of stuff. And yeah, this, I'm giving more, two more courses this year. Um, so yeah. And when you, when you say courses, that mean, are you like showing up and teaching for four hours or? showing up every day for a week and teaching for a couple hours or how, how does that look? Yeah, they're usually uh, three to five day courses. I mean, I have, I have some kind of course set up that is teaching PyTest and Tox and a bit of DevP, which is like the third um, major component. If you want to set up a Python based uh, automation pipeline without any commercial products, let's say. So DevP is basically a private package index which you can use to upload your packages and you can host that internally in your company and then you upload the, your packages there and it all integrates very nicely. So you can uh, test your DevP hosted packages with Tox. Okay. And, then, um, then so, you... and these three things, uh, that, that's a three-day course where I teach these things. The, the main, uh, how do you say, the, the main thing is PyTest because that is the most complex project of them all. And but yeah, a bit of tox, a bit of DevP, and mainly PyTest. And then, um, do is that a thing where people people bring laptops and you're you're having yeah. them work through it and help them? Yeah, through very. It and stuff? 
Okay. Very hands-on. Yeah. It's yeah, not just. I, it's I'm not, not just really you. much of a theoretician. Okay, so you're not just up there lecturing for eight hours for three days. No. I try not to. I might make a different impression now because I'm just talking so much and so fast because I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah. Normally, I'm more quiet and like working quietly on my own and not talking so much. But yeah, if I give a course, if I'm talking about something that I'm, uh, you know, I'm really interested in, I, I don't want to really say passionate about, but that's basically it. But it's such a, a used word already then I could talk for hours. And I, I, it has been noted that when I then was in the topic of talks, that then people started to say, actually, we wanted to have a break half an hour ago. So <laughs> could we? <laughs> so yeah, I get carried away. Sometimes. And in the beginning, I added a little bit of a theoretical uh, stuff, uh, a part recently inspired by your um, I don't know, is hatred too strong a word about your testing pyramid you don't really like it testing it's what the testing pyramid oh you know, the this pyramid. classical yeah, yeah. approach yeah oh pyramid sorry pyramid yeah yeah i'm, I'm a german sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so i'm i'm talking about that a bit and because i'm really very much um on on, on that side also uh, that that i think this pyramid, yeah, it might apply to some certain kinds of projects, uh, but in in my world, for example, I don't adhere to that testing pyramid. I'm more into uh, what you call tracer bullet tests, and you know this overarching functional tests, yeah. system tests, these kinds of things. They are much more helpful in the real world, I think, a lot of the time. Well, I'm I my my uh, I agree with that. But my um, my view in the more people I talk to, the more I realize that um, there the, there isn't so much of a difference as to, as to what kinds of tests should be done. It's it's more of a like what are their definitions of what unit is? If unit's at the bottom, um, it what is a unit? And so for some people, and my my gripe against the pyramid is often because of I don't really I don't do this whole the the mockest unit test where you you isolate every single function isolated from everything around it and just test that that seems ridiculous to me um but yeah. very very few people actually do that as far as i can tell um and some people when they just throw unit test around as just the thing that a developer is working on a test to test that and that's a unit test and i have no problem with that at all um hmm. This episode of Test and Code is brought to you by PyCharm. I started using PyCharm because of the amazing automated test support, especially for PyTest. But the more I use it, the more I realize how much time it saves me in the rest of my day. I can click commit and walk through all of my changes and make sure everything is really something I want to keep. If I see a print statement that I didn't mean to leave in the code, I just uncheck that part of the file and it isn't committed. Want to try out a snippet of Python? There are tabs at the bottom for quick access to the Python console, as well as to the command line console, version control, and even a to-do list that's populated by to-do comments in the project. I find myself opening other tools less and less. That time-saving of context switching adds up. If you value your time like I do, try PyCharm. Head to testandcode.com slash PyCharm and try the pro version for free for four months.
we um we were going to uh talk about talks and i realize we haven't actually told people that are unfamiliar <laughs> with talks what it is um, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, I'm trying to concentrate now. So the the talks, top, the talks. top line, I, I I was went to the talks automation pro- documentation site, and it said at the top. And you tell me if this is really accurate. It says talks. Um, it's standardized testing in Python. Talks aims to automate and standardize testing in Python as part of a larger vision of easing the packaging, testing, and release process of Python software. But that doesn't really yeah. tell me much about what it does. Yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, that that was there already when I joined, and and it's definitely something that I can somehow identify with. But it's actually the the scope of talks is much larger than that. I thought, think slowly. Yeah, but yeah, it it grew it grew out of the need. Um, I mean, it came out of the same community that started PyTest. Uh, so it basically Holger Krakel, uh, who came up with PyTest as part of the PyPy project. I, I don't know if you're aware of that, but yeah. PyTest and Talks grew out of the PyPy project uh, because they needed uh, a testing framework. And yeah, Holger came up with the idea, why don't we do something that we can share uh, among pro- projects? And this unit test, I think it was there already, but it didn't feel Pythonic enough and it wasn't powerful enough so to say or it it didn't cover what they needed and talks the same uh, yeah covered came out of the same problem space then uh, that they needed to uh, test packages with a lot of interpreters so this this was the main motivation so what tox is doing is um, simplified tox is doing the same that you would do if you create a new environment for Python interpreter, Python 3.6, for example, then activate it, install all your test dependencies, then install the package that you want to test and run the test for you and report the results. That is what Tox is automating on the, let's say, simplest, most straightforward level. And it's, it grew from there into now you don't even need, you don't need a package. You don't even need an installable project. You can uh, I, I just for fun the other day I tried to write a Tox Hello World because yeah that's the classical thing that you try to do when you learn new programming languages. Yeah. So so I thought, what would that look like if you want to do a, a Tox Hello World and you don't really, you don't need a package. You you need an empty um, directory. You put a Tox INI in there. So the the main configuration for Tox is an IN. Is it INI or INI? I've I've heard it both ways. Okay. I don't think so it matters. I'm always unsure. So let's call it toxini because that's how I call it. That's an any file that is, uh, keeps has the configuration. And you need a very short toxini file, which is just say, don't build a package for me and run the command print. Um, yeah, yeah, you can you can say Python minus M, uh, no Python minus C print, and then you know run some Python code. So basically, you can use Tox to just uh, create a virtual environment for you and run some Python code directly in there. You don't need a test framework, you don't need a package, you don't need anything. So Tox is basically just something that helps you create virtual environments and do stuff in it. That's the most general thing I could describe it. Yeah, and it doesn't. You can in now. It seems like you can bypass any of the pieces you don't want. Um, yeah, that's right. 
So for instance, even if you don't want it, if you don't want it to create a virtual environment, it, it won't. And that's, that's the one thing. And, and it's interesting that you say that because that's the one thing that you can't do. It oh, always really? creates a virtual environment for you. But oh, okay. It's funny that you say that because for a, quite a long time, I'm thinking about, I think I want to do that, make that optional also. Because sometimes I just want to have some play. Because for, for me, how I see uh, talks is if I look into a project, if I check out some code and there's a tox any in the root of that project, then I know exactly where to look, how I can test, build, deploy, or whatever I have to do with a project, right by looking inside of that tox any. Or even nowadays, like I said, the Bernard's. Um, contribution now i only have to say tox minus av and it tells me all the environments and if the maintainers were nice enough to contribute a description then they also explain to me what this environment does so that's uh, yeah but the, the one thing that you can't do yet is run it without it uh, creating a virtual environment for you oh okay <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the only thing you can switch off. But, Might we have a quiet mode now? You could, so you can say tox minus q q q, and it doesn't say anything. <laughs> you know, it just comes. Yeah, it just comes back either zero or non-zero, and it doesn't talk to you at all. Okay. So yeah, well, the, that's quite a recent addition. The reason why I, uh, the first reason why I, I wanted to understand it was to, to, um, uh, to be able to. Uh, it was for. For the when I was writing, actually writing the PyTest book, I wanted to uh, be able to run my examples in multiple versions of um, of Python, and I think that's that's one of the one of the primary reasons why people get into it. But afterwards, that wasn't actually that wasn't the huge benefit. the The huge benefit I saw was um, that with uh, it, when you're creating a package. There's a there's a chapter that I talk about uh, actually just cr uh, the process of creating your own package, and I created a package for the book, of course, to to follow along. But it um, the to get all that stuff right to get the to get up your your setup file right and your manifest and and to get all that all those pieces right so that it it so that it actually is something that runs. You have to you have to get to the point where you're creating you're compiling the package. Or building the wheel or the zip file or something, and then mm -hmm. installing it into the, the that all of that process, all that packaging process, um, having talks uh, um, be part of testing that is a huge benefit because that's an easy yeah. thing to mess up. Yeah, it makes it very comfortable. But you know, nowadays it's just one of the many things. But that's still one of the most important functionalities of talks, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to deal with all that then. Or you, you set it up once properly and then you say, Tox, do the thing for me. And it does the thing. And if you want to try from completely fresh, you say Tox minus minus recreate or minus R. And then it throws the whole virtual environment away and, and starts fresh. And that's a really useful thing to have also. Yeah. And that, that's one tip I definitely wanted to uh, not forget to mention that if your Tox stuff behaves in any kind weird the first thing you should do is say tox minus minus recreate and see if it catches up when you start uh, fresh because one let's say weakness of of not necessarily tox but of the whole packaging universe that we live in 
uh, is that you know dealing with dependencies and updating dependencies and dealing with change dependencies is hard, especially then if you if caches come into play and all that. So sometimes Tox is not catching that some dependency changed, uh, and then if you say Tox minus R, it just throws everything away and starts from scratch. And then if still things are still going wrong, then you can look further. And then you can start wondering what doesn't work and start to debug the whole thing. Good that I got that out because I thought I have to say that because that's, that's is, is, is basically that's the tox version of uh, have you tried turning it off and on again? <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I didn't even know that was there because I usually, if I run into that, I delete the dot tox directory and start over. There. <laughs> well, you can do that also, but uh, tox minus R is like the, the more graceful way. Yeah, that's Because nice. uh, you can do that... Uh, environment specific you know you can say tox minus r this environment and then it only recreates and runs that environment you don't have to throw away everything the the other thing one of the things i like is it so it does create this dot tox directory and um yeah. and then it has the it has those environments in there so on the on your command line like for instance if i wanted if i've got a i don't know a handful of different environments that it's creating um, and one of there's a failure just in one of them. You can just use that. You don't have to recreate it on your own. You can just go into there and activate that virtual environment and run some tests individually or look at what's mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. That, that's hugely helpful for debugging things. I love yeah. that. Um, and, and, and can I, I just uh, sneak hold that thought? Because okay. now I just, there's the next thing that I wanted to make sure that in because you said you can then activate that virtual environment and i'm i think you're you're a fan of pycharm nowadays yes is that right yeah and i, I basically live in pycharm i i heard uh, of it uh, on the first conference i was in 2011 and since then i'm using it i never looked back and one thing that it supports now with a plugin it's uh the plugin is called pi vnf manage it's it's from nokia it's you can uh, install it through the. It's not in the JetBrains repositories. It's in the in the other repositories, but you can install it quite easily. And then you have a new context uh, menu button, where you can then click on. You can you can open the .tox folder, and you see little Python icons then, and you can actually just right click on whatever environment you want to activate and say activate environment, and then this gets being set as the interpreter of your PyCharm. That's cool. So you can switch back and forth very easily. So that's the way how I activate Tox environment then nowadays. And that's the way then also how you can activate your development environment that you can create with Tox also. Yeah, and you can... Because um, it's just an environment. You can uh, run Tox through PyCharm too, and it's integrated yeah. well. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's integrated as well as you can because you can't really choose direct environments. You can just say uh, run Tox, and then you have this concept of uh, you have the env list in the global settings of Tox. You can set an env list where you then provide the environments that you want to run automatically when you only say Tox. Again, hmm. then, then it chooses those environments, and that's what uh, PyCharm can do. So it can run the default environments. But you can't uh, like right click like what what I really love so much uh, also in in while we are at PyCharm I th I hope you're holding that thought whatever it was I'm yeah. I'm done in a second um, 
you can right click in any test you know if you if you have pytest and you you right click into into a test and then you can run that specific test because it uses the the selection mechanism of of pytest to choose then only that test for you and run only that test yeah so this that would be perfect if you could do that with Py, with tox environments also but i understand why it's not that easy because of the generative uh, possibility to generate environments so it's not that easy actually to find out what you want Oh. But yeah, it's it's there. You can run the, the default environments. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, one of the things they added not too long ago, um, I think it was last year, was uh, the ability to run an individual parameterization of a test. Um, yeah, that's also really handy. And yeah, when I, when some of our, some of my parameters parameterized tests are very long with huge number of parameters. Uh, being able to to dive in and rerun one or two is nice. Um, yeah. So, uh, but back to one of the so okay. So we talked about uh, that it creates virtual environments that you can test your setup, but you don't have to. You don't actually have to have anything to install. You can avoid that whole install install part. But you um, you also it isn't just for multiple Python environments. You can do you can set up. These different different environments um, configurations could be uh, multiple, like multiple versions of PyTest or multiple versions of really mm -hmm. anything. So let's say you're in yeah. integrating with a third a third party package and they've upgraded, and you don't you want to know kind of do you work with like multiple versions of a particular package? You can you can have environments across that. And then you can have the whole thing be a matrix and do like mm -hmm. total combinations, um, you know, if you got all the time in the world. Um, but at the same time, so I think that I think that you can do is a uh, is detox the uh, the version that like does all of that in parallel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Funny that you say that because uh, the. First, just one thing about this matrix. If you want to see really wild matrices, then look at the Django projects. You know, anything to do with Django. Because I, I think they were the ones that came up with the idea also to create this generative. It's called generative environments, I think. Where you okay. basically say, you have curly braces uh, and you say pi to seven, pi three seven, pi whatever. You have that in curly braces. Uh, separated by commas then you have a, a, a dash which is basically the separator for separating factors so they are called factors you have pi to seven and then django 1.9 for example okay. and, and then if you write this in curly braces and then minus django 1.9 and one django 1.8 django 1.7 and you have that in curly braces uh, then you create all the combinations of these two factors that's that's what you were describing yeah and if you want to see really good examples for that, uh, yeah, look at uh, the Django projects. They're going really wild with that. <laughs> yeah. And and the detox, um, yeah, that that is there. I knew that it exists. I never really used it much. Okay. Um, because, um, yeah, the way we run, I mean, I'm, I'm using Tox work a lot. And the, we, we use Bamboo as, as a continuous integration um, system. Atlassian Bamboo. I don't know if you know it. It's oh, basically no. just just one of the many CI uh, frameworks out there. It's quite nice, and but we try to be as independent as possible from that technology. Yeah. So, and this is basically how I stumbled over Tox because I wanted to have 
I want to run my tests locally and I want to run them on CI and I want this to be basically the same. So if I have a problem on CI, uh, I can debug that locally most of the time because what happens on CI is pretty much exactly the same that happens on my local machine because all I, all I do in my CI is say tox minus E, the environment I want to run. And that's that's where, where this detox topic comes up. And, and in Bamboo, there's the concept of jobs. You can create lots of jobs. It's the same like in, in Travis also. You have parallel jobs. So you split your environments up into different jobs, and they all run in pi parallel. And the parallelization is done by Bamboo or whatever CI framework you use. Yeah. This is why I don't really feel the need to use detox, uh, because the parallelization for me happens in different areas and if i need to debug one specific problem i have that problem in in one environment and i run that environment yeah but detox is there and and uh it, i i know that it's there because last weekend i realized that the the ci tests for detox were broken because tox is now moving faster and we are not af so afraid to break things anymore also when i joined the uh yeah, the main focus for me in the beginning was not to break things because I was really scared. You know, if I break now something and I make a tox release, then 10,000 uh, CI builds break. <laughs> and that, that scared me a bit. <laughs> so I had big respect and, and I was very careful and very conservative in what PRs I accepted. And yeah, and this is now uh, now is is a little bit more on the on the daring side, and we're moving faster, which is okay. And uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff coming, but yeah, things break. Yes, but what you when you say things break, what you really mean, if I'm if I'm trying to interpret you, is that um, if you change the API or or add change uh, some behavior, it it there may be some dependent project that isn't going to work right or because it yeah yeah well perfect. some some tests might might break then or, or maybe some thousand ci tests might break <laughs> because uh yeah but they be, the problem is and yeah maybe that's one good chance for me to mention that uh usually uh you if you if you set up your travis yaml or whatever you just say pip install talks and you always grab the newest version of talks and you expect it to work which is usually not the normal approach. Usually, you know, even why I think why pipenv is exists and is so successful is is because it tries to solve, as it tries to solve many problems. But one of the problems it tries to solve is this dependency management, so that you have frozen dependencies once you have built it, and that you can be sure that you install the same dependencies uh, that you test it against. Yes. Yeah. But everybody's using always the newest version of Tox and expecting not things to break. So this is a bit of a mismatch. And I maybe I, I can do a bit of advertising for maybe pin your Tox version, maybe at least to the current yeah. major version yeah. or something. If if it's important for you that things don't break. If 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 it's okay, then and you know your stuff and, and you understand, ah, okay, that is because Tox has a problem now. That's also okay. I mean, I always install the newest version of Tox, and I'm not afraid for things breaking. But if it upsets you and your project, then maybe pin the version. Yeah, well, you know um, the core maintainers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, yeah. the yeah, that's why at the weekend I really sorry, I'm 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 talking too much and too fast still. I know, but I have to, so much to say. Just the detox, the detox thing. Uh, yeah, that broke at the weekend, and that was the first time uh, that I realized. Oh yeah, it's still there. 
And I realized nobody really, there was one PR that was hanging around for over <laughs> a year, uh, a pull request, sorry. Yeah. People asked, no. what is PR? Uh, pull requests hanging around for over a year. And yeah, so it, it, it became clear that none of the core maintainers of Tox uh, are really using Detox themselves. And uh, because we have this Tox dev, you know, we have the GitHub organization and Detox is hosted in there. Yeah. But, you know, it's the code is not changing. The, the last build uh, was done months ago and then somebody filed a bug and I saw, oh, okay. So I fixed that bug and I, I had some fun with detox at the weekend. I, and I might made a, a little vow to myself that I want to use it more, at least locally. So to keep it alive and ticking. I use it. Yeah. Oh, good. So, so, but I use, but, but, but I you use, didn't have a problem. No, I, I use it. Um, I didn't see that. I don't use it all the time, but I, I, I'm an impatient person. So, uh, when I test things, so I, I, I like to test across, like you said, it, like as if you had a continuous integration server on your laptop or something. And that's how, that's what I use tr a lot of, uh, talks and, uh, and detox for is if I want to, I'm not, I just want to test everything on multiple, all, all my environments, but I, I kind of want to get it done fast and I'm not doing anything else with the laptop at the time. Uh, I'll just have it take off and, test everything in parallel and get my answer faster. So well, that gives me, that gives me some extra motivation to keep the, the project alive. <laughs> well, not just for so me. That, that you can, uh, but, <laughs> why, why not? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I mean, I had some fun with it and, and we added actually then at the weekend. Um, yeah. Uh, Twitter is really handy for these things. I, I, I then, if I have some problems, I moan to Twitter, you know, shouting into the void and then sometimes the void answers yeah. And says, "Hey, have you tried this?" <laughs> so there's, um, yeah, because I, I was as moaning about, yeah, detox is broken, and we're actually not building it. So maybe I'm thinking about scheduling something, and I never did that with Travis. I just knew it must be possible. Uh, and then uh, I can't pronounce his name, and I won't try. He's working at Red Hat. It's one of the Ansible contributors, I think. Okay. He came up with a pull request. Then um, you know doing nightly builds against the current uh, master from Tox, so that next time when Tox is uh, accidentally breaking some um, dependency and detox, because they are quite intermingled, uh, then we will realize right away. So, Oh, nice. At least, yeah. So that's, um, that's, you know. But I hope there's some kind of parallelization. Uh, Bernard mentioned that uh, might actually grow out of Tox core some point so that we might not need detox anymore at some point is it i want to ask you something so ask him something wacky um no i want to ask you is there is there like a uh um is there a use model that you've seen of people using talks that surprised you or some some clever thing that you didn't realize that it would be used for that Or just uh, actually, a lot of the time when I when I read the the GitHub when I started uh, to read the GitHub issues, I was I was permanently amazed by really? the stuff that people using talks for <laughs> and and the problems they're facing. Um, I, I'm I'm not really uh, remember any details, but. Uh, Basically, I think when you, when you start to, to use a tool and you're deep into some kind of topic, whatever it is, and you're using that tool for that, you're bound to do 
weird things with it that maybe the other 95% of the users think, well, you, you, why, why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't have a really good example now. I, I, I wish I could come up with something. Well, but a, a lot of the time I read, well, why, why do you, why do you want to do that? <laughs> So basically, I'm a really happy Tox user. I don't need it for any weird stuff. I think. Well, I'm just I'm, although I do everything with it. Well, that's the that's the the part that I think surprised me. So I'll jump in with the thing that I think is interesting is seeing uh, both within when I when I started to try to learn more about Tox. Um, I one of the things I did is I read the the Toxini files. You can you can go to like a lot of open source projects and look at their Toxini file and see what they're doing. So I looked at the Toxini file for Tox and for PyTest and uh, for other projects. Um, and one of the things that I notice is this use of basically what I use. I often use make files for for like just a. Uh, things like um, uh, uh, dis distribution, like when you're ready to push push your package up to, to PyPI, there's people using talks yeah. for that. You can set up little yeah. jobs. You can use it as a make a make replacement. Yeah, but that's normal. <laughs> that's that's normal. That's the normal that's the case. No that's, that's why may maybe I think, like you said, this uh, vision standardized testing in Python that is not really taking it uh, far enough. Yeah. Uh, I, I tried. I try to come up with taglines. I think one one thing. Uh, I think we actually let me have a quick look. Just uh, let me do some clicking because I, I think I changed the tagline of our Tox GitHub command line driven CI front end and development task automation tool. That's now. I, I don't know. Does I, that sound? Like I, I like it. It's it's a it's doesn't really roll off the tongue, but it 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 <laughs> it, it, it describes it well. Um, yeah. So that's the best thing I can come up with. And and yeah, you you use it, or I use it, or one can and should use it. I think for every task that is part of uh, of development. So if you need to build documentation, you can have a Tox environment for that. If you need to set up a developer environment. Then you have a tox environment for that. If you have to push your stuff to wherever, then you have an environment for that. And if you have proper descriptions for it, then you have really you have the one place where you can look and see. Okay, how does this project tick? How does it build its documentation? How does it do its uh, releases? Yeah. It's all there. Well, what it's is fantastic? That? It's it's the the bookkeeping and uh, the busy work stuff. Uh, that's the, and it's tied to the project because you're going to have different things that you have to do for different projects or do them a little bit differently. And so having that all together is great, better than having a whole bunch of different scripts that you have to remember which ones are where. Uh, it's good. Yeah. The um, the one thing I want to bring up because I was confused by it. I don't, maybe I'm the only person that was confused by it. Is I don't like to actually put anything in my uh, my global system environment. Um, I don't like to pip install anything into the the site Python. Mm -hmm. um, I, I use virtual environments for everything. Um, but when I'm using talks, is it okay to uh, have create a virtual environment and then install talks into there and run talks that creates virtual yeah. environments from a virtual environment? 
Yeah, sure. It sounds weird and it is it seems a bit scary, but it's actually I mean, if you think about it, a virtual environment is not really that virtual. A virtual environment is a copy of your Python interpreter with a few sim links uh, back into the original interpreter. Uh, but basically, it's just a copy of your interpreter and activating a virtual environment sets a few environment variables, but it's not absolutely necessary to activate a virtual environment to work with it. Right. What you need is you need the absolute path to the Python interpreter in that virtual environment, and then you can use that interpreter to run stuff that is installed in that. One, one thing I recommend if, I mean, if, if, that, uh, if that, you don't want to, if you don't want to, sorry. No, just that, that's a trick that I, I, I didn't realize at first. So when I first set up Jenkins to use, uh, ver, uh, I set up a test environment that, so I had the Jenkins job that would, uh, create a virtual environment, install a bunch of stuff into it, and then run the tests. But I had like within the little box within Jenkins, um, have it activate the environment. You don't have to do that. If the only thing you're doing with the environment is installing dependencies or, um, or running PyTest, you can do that without activating it. You just call the right executables within the environment, right? Yeah, yeah. Just need the absolute pass. I mean, there's an, uh, there's, there's tricky corners to everything. So where you need the activation, uh, is if you are running stuff in sub processes, sometimes it might not pick up. Uh, if you if you don't do it, if you don't write your scripts, being aware that the virtual environment might not be activated, then you might run into trouble. So there's always a little caveat. But normally, if you know the absolute path to your virtual environment interpreter, you can run stuff directly like that. So that's what I recommend sometimes. If you want to install Tox into a virtual environment and be able to, you could do it like that. You could install it in a virtual environment and have an alias to that uh, path and use that. But you can also use, I mean, almost every Linux distribution now has it uh, in their package managers. Ubuntu, for example, has it now. It used to be Python minus Tox. You know, you can say apt install Python minus Tox. And then you have a reasonable new talks as part of your system python yeah um so i mean there's tons of ways to get talks there used to be a, a bootstrap way to get talks which was uh, made explicitly for jenkins i think but that was broken already when i joined and nobody ever um bothered to repair it so that you basically can have a jenkins server and that jenkins server bootstraps talks before it then runs your um environments hmm. But just, nobody seems to miss it really I, I mean just get tox somehow and yeah <laughs> yeah we just we just do a virtual environment and then pip install tox but yeah um, perfectly well we perfectly have, okay we do a local store within within our jenkins we have um all of the all the pack of course we've got a cached package and environment so that we don't pull out from the internet all the time um but uh it speeds it up a little bit but anyway there's, there's a, like you said, Tox itself is a relatively, well, I actually have never looked at the source code, but the, the model and the idea around it, it doesn't take that long to get your head around what it's doing, but the things people are doing with it and the, the, you know, the gotchas that people might run into and stuff and the crazy things, there's, there's a lot there. And I just want to, I guess I'm opening it up to listeners now. 
if we flew by something or didn't talk about something that you really wanted to talk about, uh, wanted us to talk about, um, uh, that's, that's the case with really any topic within software development anymore anyway. But um, reach out and say, hey, um, I really wanted you to cover this use model or that use model, and, and then maybe we can come back and talk about something like that. Yeah, so, well, I'm having so much fun. I'd love to come back if there's interest. Yeah. Sure. So I, I do, um, uh, man, this, like you said, there's, or like I said, there's so much stuff we could talk about with this. Um, you, uh, are you open if people want to like, so talks is at, how do I look, find more information about talks? Um, it's at, it's, you just search for talks or something, right? <laughs> uh, well, oh, it's yeah, not I the mean, first there's... one. If you Google talks, you get some, the, the top list is often something else. It's, uh, right. It's, uh, let's see whatever, what happens if I Google for talks, uh, talks, Dubel Technik GmbH. Yeah. That's a German company that is a building. I don't even know how you call them in English. Those are the plastic things that hold screws in the wall. Oh, okay. They're called Dubel. You know, that's, hmm. that's, that's a really famous German company and they are Tox there. Yeah. So if you look for Tox Python, I mean, best starting point is obviously uh, tox.readthedocs.io. Oh, yeah. That's where, right. our, that's okay. where our documentation is hosted. And then if you have concrete questions, um, Stack Overflow has a tox tag, and I, I lurk there. So if somebody asks an interesting question, uh, you know, me or somebody else who is into tox might answer it. Okay. Um, then there's Twitter. I'm on Twitter. I, I really like having um, conversations there about programming or talks or testing. And remind me of your Twitter so, name. Um, o Best Walter. So okay. My, yeah, it's my uh, login handle. Is basically everywhere. And uh, and uh, if so, if somebody wanted to um, hire you to do a training, how would they get a hold of you for that? Oh, um, yeah, Twitter. Okay. Why not? I mean, that's, that's, um, I, I have an email address also that is very uh, easy to guess. I mean, I have a website, oliver.bestwalter.de, where I don't really – I wish I would have the discipline uh, to, to blog regularly, but I wrote exactly one blog article when I started <laughs> with talks <laughs> and created that whole website and, and you know, went really mad with uh, – do you know Lector? That's a really great um, yeah. static um, website generator. It's actually a website generator generator because you know you can you can go really crazy with that. So I spent all the time to set that up, and then I wrote one blog article and a little about, and that's it. But that it's there, and you can reach me through there. You can reach me through through Twitter. Yeah, you're um, yeah. you're pretty good about answering questions on Twitter. If uh, if I've got something, you're you pretty responsive. So. Yeah, oh, I appreciate thanks. that. Yeah, um, and uh, I wish we had had more time, but we've kind of gone long. So, um, just thanks a ton for coming on the show. This was a lot of fun. Well, thank you. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun. It's really nice chatting to you. It's really enjoy it. Thanks again to PyCharm for sponsoring this episode. Visit testingcode.com/pycharm to get the di discount code for four months of free PyCharm Professional. That link is also in the show notes, which are at testingcode.com slash 49. Also, thanks to Patreon supporters. Your enduring support of the show helps keep me going. That's all for this episode. Now, go test something.